So I hope you've all had a, a good night's sleep, or at least rest, and uh, a, a hearty breakfast, and that you've had a little time to soak in the beauty of this place. Incredible. <coughs> Almost uh, otherworldly other quality of Spirit Rock. And so that, that you bring that with you into this room, that, that, uh, those resources that are just around us in the quiet and the beauty and the, the um, natural order of things, the way nature creates its own order. And then there's the very carefully ordered um, holding of, of Spirit Rock that we're supported by during these days. And uh, the title of our retreat, as we mentioned, is uh, Taking Refuge in What is True. It's kind of a, it could be very broad, <coughs> but uh, it invites the question, what is true? What is true, what is not true? And much of our lives, we, we take for granted certain conditionings and uh, maybe what's normal in our, what was normal in our family or in our culture as what is true. And we take for granted the way we see and perceive things as, as being true and often right as well. And we, you know, we're here in these bodies, these physical bodies, born into these bodies. A lifetime's journey of embodiment, or sometimes not much embodiment, some people may have experienced. Both in the, you know, sometimes we're, we're not comfortable being in the body, so we find ways to dissociate from our bodies. That can happen. But whether we're doing that or not, the body's still here with us every moment. So, uh, you know, we can take our bodies and, and what we feel in these bodies, through these bodies, to be true. So the Buddha is inviting us to, to question, just to be interested and curious about our experience. You know, How true is it? You know, what, what is really going on? And now, uh, I don't know a lot about, um, I don't have a lot of scientific uh, knowledge, so I'm not going to go into it other than just very light brushstroke, but uh, you know, now science is, is kind of catching up with the ancient understanding of the yogis of way back and of the Buddha and his understanding. And they're starting to see like what we, what we perceive as real and solid is not as solid as it appears to be, not as real as it appears to be. So it's an interesting time where, where science and um, let's say, direct or intuitive understanding are coming together. So, you know, there's so many ways that we, we perceive all the time. And I remember when I first met someone who was colorblind, how I realized, oh, they're living in a different world to me because I'm experiencing all these colors. I would explain, you know, I remember as children we would talk about, is that blue or green? No, it's blue. No, it's green. No, it's blue. It's green. You know, and then, and then he realized, well, somebody else sees that as red. 
wow, you know. So, so the, the, the kind of how we perceive, you know, through our senses is, is unique to each of us. And then, and then what we do with that, how we put it together, is unique to each of us. It's kind of a miracle that any of us are able to communicate at all, given that, you know, we're all in our, in our individual worlds, in our individual perceptions of what's going on. And so there's, uh, you know, the Buddha isn't saying there's a, there's a right perception, this is the right perception, this is the right colour, you know. But he's, he's inviting us to, to question the, the certainty of what we perceive and experience. And there are layers of it. So, uh, you know, coming into a retreat like this, I don't know, many of you probably have been, have come from your regular lives where... You know, in the world, we have to be somebody. You've got to be somebody. Even as, as Buddhist monastics teaching, you've got to have a biography and a photograph. This is who I am, you know, because it isn't. But it's like something you put together to show people something. But okay, I'm kind of like, kind of like this at the moment. But, uh, you know, in the world, we have to present ourselves as something and even believe in it you know to get get on in the world you've got to believe in it you've got to be behind it and present yourself as this whatever it is and then when we stop and we're not asked to do that anymore what do we find so we may find just like dropping into a peaceful space peaceful place, a relief at not having to become somebody, be somebody. Or you may find just that the mind is full of the stories of self and selfing, and that, uh, you know, that those stories of who I am, where I come from, what happened last week, what is going to happen in the future, are just relentlessly playing out in our minds. So it's good to know that they're just stories, that none of them are, are really what's, what's, what's going on. They're just stories. And uh, we don't have to battle with them, but we can be, well, there's two things we can do. We can either be interested in a curious way, not, not to getting involved in the stories, but just like, oh, okay, there's that story of, of last week going on, or of that person and who I think they are going on. And then maybe questioning, you know, how true, how true is the story? And how relevant is that story right now as I sit here in the meditation hall? And uh, probably it's, it's pretty irrelevant. But there may be you know, a gut feeling that we're, we're churning away about something. And so that, that feeling in the body, that is relevant now. Not the story, but the, the direct experience of what's <coughs> arising now. That's relevant, that's important, that's interesting. That can teach us something. But the stories of our minds, they kind of, you know, make-believe much of them.
and then the, you know even these bodies themselves they're, they're definitely you know physical bodies that have a balance part of nature but so uh, they are part of nature so you know one of the ways the Buddha pointed to um, a way of, of recognizing this body is to see it as as um, he uses the word we use the word elements, the four elements, so it could be the four qualities, like earth element, solidity, fire element, heat or temperature, air element or wind element, movement, and um, water element, uh, cohesion. So that's another way we can perceive these bodies, and when we get to know those the quality of those elements in this body, we also see that it's in every other body. And it's in everything, it's in every tree, every bird, every deer, every fruit. So those same four elements make up everything in this universe, actually. And so then what we see, what we take to be very personal and and mine this body, it's about as personal as it gets, is a coming together of the elements for a while in a particular balance. And uh, this, this person that I think of myself as being is, is a process, it's arising for a while in this way. And the way we, we apply our minds, so what we do with our mind and our heart is, is crucial because that's, that influences how we guide this life's journey and how we uh, meet the the direct experience that that uh, assails us every day. So if we don't take care of our heart and mind, and particularly if we have a, a you know like a, a rigid or a, or a narrow or a particular idea of how things should be, then we're always going to be cutting people off. Or situations of it shouldn't be like that. Don't like that. They shouldn't be doing that. They should be like this. And so we end up in this very narrow and rather defended, closed world. So instead of doing that, we need to be interested. Oh, this feels really uncomfortable. I don't like what that person's doing. Why is that? You know, is it because what they're doing is, is harmful? Or is it just because it's not the way I like it? Because if it's just not the way I like it, then just let go. If it's harmful, maybe I need to do something about it. So we get to, to look at our experience, our direct experience, in a, in a different way, in, a, in an inquisitive, interested way, rather than a, a shoring up of the sense of self as being right, or, or maybe always being wrong, and we can do that too. And neither of those are true. So to, to start to see our experience in terms of a process, this is a process, and there's... there's um, there's impact, there's contact, and then there's what we do with that contact. So, uh, you know, we feel, like I, when I walked out of, even when I just opened the door of, of uh, the room I'm living in at the moment, this morning, it was very beautiful, and there's this pleasant contact, and I feel uplifted, and, and I feel opened by it. And I don't have any history with that room, never been there before. So it's very clean, you know, easy. And so there's a sense of being uplifted because there's a, a pleasant experience that I can open 
it might have been that I've, you know, I might be uh, someone who's had a very difficult experience down there in the, you know, teacher's village, and uh, and I'm oh now I'm in this room again. That last time I was here, the heating didn't work, and there was this problem with ants and you know whatever, and then I'm I'm in there with this old perception, and it's making me bring up an unpleasant feeling. And then I'm contracting if I'm not mindful. Or I might be just taking it for granted, not really caring, not having any sense of what it's taken to make that room and to prepare the room for our visit and, uh, and the, you know, the plans and the building and the, the cleaning and the care. And then there's just sort of taking it for granted, not just like, oh, it's a room, put my things down, sleep, use a computer, whatever. And uh, it's, uh, that's like ignoring the, the, what's really present. So we, can, we, we do that all the time with our experience. And then the, the Buddha is really inviting us to notice, to be aware of the feelings that arise. And for me, I mean, I don't know if it's the same for everyone, but for me, feeling is, is the most uh, impactful. It's like, it's, it's, it's always feeling first. Uh, there's a uh, you know, pleasant feeling. Without, if I don't, if I didn't have the teaching, I would have, I was been just running after more and more pleasant feeling, running away from painful feeling. That's what I was doing, trying to create as much neutral feeling as possible, so as not to have to feel the painful bits. That's what I was doing before I came across the teaching, and it was, you know, crazy making. And uh, with the teaching, we can notice that sense of like uplift and opening with the pleasant feeling, and it's just like that. And, uh, and how we contract or defend ourselves from the painful feeling. And that we don't have to do that, we have a choice. So we don't have to always defend, sometimes we do, you know, we don't want to be hurting ourselves, obviously. But often a, a painful feeling is just that, and it's temporary, it arises, it's there for a while, it passes. Same with the pleasant feelings. They rise, they're there for a while, they're, they're lovely, and they pass. So if we can open to and be with the feelings that are arising and passing away all the time, changing all the time, then um, we have a, that there is a refuge there. So if we're taking refuge in, in you know, we tend to think of like, I, I just want to experience the nice bits, you know, how do I set up my life so it can be like, I can just experience the, the, ni- the good bits, you know, and be a nice person and, and be around other good people and, and just experience the pleasure, pleasure of life and let, look after my body so it doesn't hurt and all of that. And Well, we can't, that's the truth of it. You know, where there's pleasure, there's pain. They come together, they're, they're partners. You don't get one without the other. So, you know, when we learn how to open to feeling, we open to pleasant feeling and we experience the pleasure, the joy, the uplift, the openness of pleasant feeling, and we know it's changing, and so we, we just hold it lightly. So we don't have to deny ourselves. You know, we don't have to say, it's not a joyless path. Joy is one of the, the enlightenment factors 
in the Buddha's path to awakening. So this is not a joyless path, it's not about suffering, 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 but it's about understanding how suffering is caused and that if we cling and try and hold on to what is pleasant, it's going to change whether we like it or not and then we suffer. We're sorry, we're sad. And if we uh, cling to painful feeling, afraid of it, averse to it, then we then on top of just the the unpleasant feeling, we, we're creating like a, a, a complicated relationship with our painful with painful feeling, which is inevitable in a physical body, and we're creating suffering on top of what is just nature doing its thing. So I used to think that, uh, you know, the aim, and I think quite a lot of people have this idea that the aim is just to like not feel anything. Enlightened being just doesn't feel anything and can kind of float around very pleasantly, like not having to feel all this stuff. But it, obviously that is not the, the goal. And, um, you know, often the, the, the neutral the experiences, it can be the, one of the largest parts of our experience, the, the bits we don't really pay attention to the ignoring, the bit sort of zoning out. And, uh, well, I guess it's not uh, rocket science to say that that is not, that does not lead to awakening. You know, like being, being uh, zoned out or not really feeling what's going on does not help in our, in our path to awakening. So even with the, the places where we can't feel anything much, we, we bring attention to those places. And I, when I first started that, that practice, I thought, well, how do you do that? Because I can't feel anything. Mm. How can I be aware of what doesn't feel like anything? Well, it feels like not feeling anything. That's what it feels like. And then you can see, well, where it's, for example, in the body, where is it? You know, so if I scan through the body, there may be large areas where there's nothing much going on, which I want to just skip over because it's irrelevant. But it's like, no, it's not irrelevant. Because that's, that's neutral feeling there. There's, there's no... There's no uh, pleasure, no pain, or, or if there is, it's so subtle I can't quite tell what it is. So it's just kind of neutral. And because it's not interesting, we want to skip over it. So we'd rather pay attention to painful feeling, ironically, than to what's neutral. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? And then uh, as we uh, learn to bring our attention, it's very good to do it systematically, to the, the feelings that arise in this body and also in the mind. So the mind also feel, experiences pleasant and, and unpleasant feeling and, and neutral when we're in a dull state, sort of a half, we're half awake. Um, so we learn to pay attention to these feelings as they are in the present moment. And it's also very important to, to, to notice, as we do that we start to notice the way our mind goes. So, I was very good at noticing painful feeling. I was not very good at noticing pleasant feeling. So pleasant feeling had to be really pleasant, had to be really, really good to notice it. And um, painful feeling was kind of up a lot of the time, whether it was in the heart or in the body. And so, uh, so the experience, what it seemed like was like, God, life's really, you know, it hurts, it's painful, it's hard. Because I wasn't really paying attention to the good bits enough the pleasant bits enough. And then over time, started to do, you know, with, with practice, with, a, with a, like a systematic practice of, what do I notice that is good? 
this was also with the mental feeling. Like, what do I notice that is good and wholesome? And what do I notice that is painful and unpleasant? And, and there could be like a lot of painful and unpleasant, very little what is good and, and wholesome. Not that that was true, but that's what I noticed. And then gradually learning to notice what is good. And then learning to do less of what, you know, feels bad, <laughs> consequentially. And, um, and then learning to notice the, the, the kind of the blind spots, the, uh, the, the numb areas, and uh, letting them also be known. And then gradually they start to tell you, you know, stories, things are revealed from them that maybe we were too afraid or felt unready to know. So the, the body and the mind, they kind of protect us from having to deal with really difficult stuff until we're ready and so we can get these kind of dull places or blind, um, not blind, numb places because we're not ready to know what's going on there yet. And then as we practice with awareness and awareness strengthens then we get to, those, those places start to come into colour and come into life. And we become more whole, more present. So, you know, I think often when we start on the path, there's this, this wish to, you know, just, just to everything to be comfortable and nice and not difficult anymore, you know. Had enough of this kind of challenging life experience. I want it just to be kind of nice. And, uh, but, and yet the spiritual path, the path of awakening, it is about being awake to what is present now. Whatever that may be. Turning towards what is happening now. And being interested enough, curious enough, to not just take for granted as soon as we, you know, immediately what we, we, we find, but to, be, to, be, to turn towards it and be interested. <coughs> what is this? You know? How does it feel? Where is it in the body? What does it do? What do I want to do with it? I want to, you know, say if there's a, there's a, a feeling of, um, let's just say fear, feeling fear. Uh, first time I sat up here, scary. Now it's not, you know, but the first time it's scary, feel fear. So then, you know, I want to, and then there's all of the things about things you want to do, you want to get right, and we've got to get organized. And, and, uh, and so, you know, you're less in tune with yourself. So you're more likely to make the mess that you don't want to make and all of that. And so, uh, so then, so then instead of trying to get away from that by sorting everything out and defending myself, then curious, oh, what's going on? Fear. Feeling fear. There's all these people looking at me and I'm not sure if I can deliver what they want. <gasps> Scary. And then, where, where is that fear? Oh, in the belly. Belly's really contracted. <sighs> Take a breath. Relax the belly. And then take another look at all these people looking. So and now I know quite a lot of people. But in the beginning, I didn't know many people. So all for you know faces of people you don't know. Okay, what is it like to be here? And what is it like to be there? It's probably there's quite a lot in common. Probably you know being a human being is pretty much like not that different, whether they're sitting here, sitting there. There'll be nuances, there'll be differences, depending on how we look and our background and so on. But basically, 
you know, we all want to be safe, we all want to be accepted, we want to uh, have the, the basic support for our life, you know, shelter and be warm enough and have food and water and, and uh, we all have relationships of some kind in our lives and so oh, maybe there's not such a problem and so then the, everything kind of, not just the feeling starts to you know, pass away but there's more than a wholesome feeling arises of connection Maybe, maybe a sense of compassion. Oh, I'm su- I suffer. You guys probably all suffer too. I go through stress. You probably all go through stress too. So it starts to change from the the the, the separate, contracted individual experience to the the shared experience of the human condition. So many feelings will. Uh, arise and pass away over these days. Some will be pleasant, some will be unpleasant, some will be neutral, some will be bodily, some will be mental. And this is how it goes. And so we don't want to aim to get away from any of those, but to, to know them, know the feelings, turn towards them, be interested. And uh, you know, this body is a really important anchor in our practice. So when I first started to practice, I wasn't really very... I didn't like having a body. (laughs) It's probably even one of my strong motivations to start practicing in the first place. I want to get out of this, you know. But the body is, is a wonderful anchor, because it's always here. It's always here. And when we bring our attention to this body, it's always now. It can only be now. Otherwise it's a thought, it's not the body. So when we bring our attention, body is here, the awareness is now, it's bringing us into the present, always. And then it's important to look at what's our relationship to this body. You know, do, we, do we bring our attention to it and then we don't like it? We want to have a different one. We wish it wasn't aging or whatever, it wasn't sick or whatever it is. No, this is this body as it is right now, which is always changing. This is our gift. This is our. This is the blessing that we've been given, so that we can practice in order to awaken. And it's it's perfect as it is right now. And that doesn't mean we should, you know we don't have to exercise and bathe it and take care of it and so on. But it, it's it's the perfect teacher right now. This body, always. So learning to bring our attention, turn it towards this body. Notice what we meet this body with. Is there aversion? Is there dissociation? Is there pride, passion? And can we just meet this body as a, a teacher? So we're up here on the stage, you know, and the, the teachers but really, the, the true teacher is always with you, never leaves you. You take it to bed at night and you wake up in the morning with your teacher. You eat with your teacher. You walk with your teacher all the time. We're just reminding you of the teacher that's always with you. 
So let's sit the last 15 minutes or so of this session. Coming into your body, feeling your body sitting on the seat. Not an idea of your body, but how do you know it's there when you close your eyes? Feeling the pressure, gravity. Feeling the space around you. There's room to fully be here. You can rest on the seat and you can take the space. You don't have to stretch out your arms and knock the person next to you, but you're just, you know, feeling, taking a full breath. And dropping down from the thinking into the body. See if you can meet this body with a with a heart of kindness, friendliness. Maybe even gratitude. And the breath is a very helpful um, anchor also as, you know, as part of the body, feeling the body breathing. And just recognizing each breath, we're taking in life energy. It's a gift. Each out-breath we're letting go of what we no longer need. And that is beautifully recycled by nature. Because we are part of nature.
So uh, we have an hour now for walking meditation or yoga, if you've signed up for the yoga class this morning. Um, and just to say with the walking meditation, you know, we're, it's, I ring the bell at the end of the meditation, but it's not that the meditation stops then. So the, the practice is, uh, it continues in whatever we're doing. And we can notice how we, we can just skip off into something else and wait for the next thing. It's like, no, it's this, it's this. So in walking meditation, we're, which includes getting up from your seat and walking out of the room and putting on your shoes and so on, it's, uh, it's a process of, of being embodied and present while walking. So we're not aiming to, to in our style, in, the, in the, the, the way that we practice, we're not aiming to get a particular state of concentration necessarily through walking meditation. It can, it can happen naturally, but that isn't really the point. The point is to be fully present while walking each step and then to notice how we go off and how our mind you know, can be on another continent at another time with another person and, oh, and the body's here. So it's about remembering to keep coming back to these feet on the ground and this body here. And just to say, with the, there's, there's a lot of beautiful places to, to do walking meditation in, around here. And uh, we, we usually have a pathway. We, we choose a straight line, something like 20, 25 paces. And simply walk from one end to the other while being present while walking. And then get to the end of, the, end of that, that stretch, that path, and stop, turn, and walk back. And that's it. So we're not going anywhere. We're just here, here. And uh, please, um, you know, when you choose your walking meditation path, think about other people. So don't choose the one that you think is really nice for you, but that's going to cut through five other people's walking meditation path. You know, so we don't want to cross other people's path because that's very it's it's very distracting. So just to find a a, a path and be you know it's like mindfulness and uh, and a clear comprehension or awareness. You're not just being mindful of you and your walking. You're mindful of you, this body, the walking, and the the context within which you're doing it. So, uh, so please go ahead if you ha- if you have yoga. Please, uh, it's upstairs. Yes. The yoga is the upper walking hall. Yes. So you can go upstairs to the upper walking hall. The stairs are just out here. And if you're not signed up for yoga this morning, then we have an hour of walking meditation, and there'll be a bell at the end of that ten minutes before that session ends, and you can come back in for the last sitting of the morning, which will be a quiet sit. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.